Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Gastroenteritis Blues for another week. I'm Steve Lipman. I'm with Emily Anderson and Dan Volpone. Uh, Emily, uh, what's your favorite number after one? I think that it's two. Woo! Great. Um, Dan, how's your night going? <laughs> it's fine. It's, it's, it's good. I'm happy the Sixers won. Unbelievable. I'm really, I'm really tired. This is like I don't know. I don't. It's it's not even that late, but I'm really tired. This is we're coming up on my bedtime. Why um, are you sitting in I the know. dark, Steve? You know, I'm so glad you asked. Um, I had a lot of light on early, but the lady in the next room is going to sleep, so I'm trying ah. to filter out All some right. of the light but, making its way into the. That's very considerate of you. While we're on the topic of Steve's bedtime, I do want to like air this grievance publicly. Like, you go to bed way too early. Like it could be, it could be like a Saturday and I'll like, I'll like see something on Twitter or something something about the Sixers. I'll text, I'll text you guys and only Emily answers because you're way asleep. But I always catch up in the morning. You do. That's pretty much it. But now the momentum is gone. I do. I uh, I get to bed a bit early nowadays. It's only because I'm working from home. When I was in the hospital, I would go to bed at like 930 but now I just like stay up until two. It's something called like revenge bedtime that I've learned about. Mm. It's like you like getting revenge against yourself. Like you, instead of going to bed, like, you know, you should, you like stick it to yourself by doing all kinds of other things, like scrolling on TikTok, like watching cult oh, documentaries and so on and so forth. Is, is When people scroll on TikTok, is it just people dancing around? No. No, not always. Hmm. It's a, a lot, lot of funny things. stuff. It's a lot of like driver's license um, content right now. The song, hmm. not the government document. Wait, then I, in that case, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what's, your, what, what's the song? Can you really? sing it? Can you sing it? Can you no, sing it? no. It's hard Two, to explain. three, four. Woo! Thank you. Oh, wow. Yeah. You got me. All right. Listen, let's do a podcast. Everyone's gone already. <laughs> Really are. We're going to look at like the analytics for the show. It's like 90 seconds in it all dives. It's fine. It's, we already ran the ad at this point. <laughs> yeah, we really did. Um, all right. Listen up. The Sixers played tonight. I think it's probably easiest to start with tonight and then we can go back through the week. Um, I was covering the account for the uh, for Liberty Ballers during the game and they just looked terrible for most of the game. Uh was aggressive play. and scoring well. Right. Joel didn't play. Uh, Harris was scoring well, but they just like looked hopeless. And then in the fourth quarter, Matisse Thibault was unbelievable defensively. He was everywhere. Um, Doc went to uh, a zone that I don't remember if this was on the podcast or off, but Emily, you just said that Doc attributed that to John Cheney, who just passed away, and uh, which is awesome. And uh, so, not that he was... passed away, that they contributed. Oh, sorry. To... I'm so sorry. I love John Cheney. Yes. The quote was awesome. The The attribution was off, awesome. You both reacted very strongly. I appreciate you guys catching that so I don't have to clean this up in post. It is not awesome, of course, that John Cheney passed. I love John Cheney. Um, well, I'm canceled. So 
Hope you guys God. like doing this podcast by yourselves. It's, it's too late to do a podcast. Oh, boy. All right. This is how <laughs> these awesome. are going to go, gang. When the Sixers play on Sundays, we have to record after so we can uh, talk about our bedtimes. Listen, Sixers won. I was shocked. They played great. Furkan hit some big shots down the stretch. Uh, Dan, give me your take on this game and how the Sixers were able to win a game without Joel Embiid. Yeah, I'll give you my take. You already know I didn't watch the game. I watched the last two minutes, and I didn't watch the game because the Sixers, every time Joel doesn't play, get killed. And I usually still like to watch the game, but I was not feeling great. It was a Sunday night. Um, not, like, sick, just, like, a little rundown. So I was like, oh, I'll just, like, spend some time with my roommates and, um, and like, just, like, talk and stuff like that. So I didn't put the game on. I'm the only Sixers fan in my house. Um, and then, you know, I checked early on, and they were down, like, 20. And mm-hmm. I was like, eh, whatever. Like, I'm not going to not gonna get myself all mad about it. They do this every time. Joel doesn't play. But I did check the box score, so I'll share my box score watching thoughts. And I was happy because I saw that, you know, besides, like, in the first quarter, Ben was taking more shots, and he was, um, you know, kind of taking over the game a little bit more in ways that I've kind of always been like, why isn't he doing this when Joel's, even when he doesn't play, like even if when he, in the times that Ben plays when Joel's on the bench, like mm-hmm. Ben should be scoring, like Ben's ta- talented, he should be trying to score. So, you know, I don't know how it looked in, in on, on the court, but in the box score, I was happy with that. I saw that like Dwight Howard had one of the best plus minuses on the team. I felt great about that. He's been criticized a lot and I still believe in Dwight as like a pretty solid backup. So I felt good about that. Then I saw that Matisse and Furkan led them back. I watched the last two minutes of the game, and they continued to play well. The Pacers didn't score in, like, the last six minutes or something, which is – or didn't make it have a field goal in the last six minutes. They had 15 the Sixers, points in the fourth in quarter. In the fourth quarter, so. at some point, the Sixers went on a 21-2 to two run. And, and, and <laughs> that's excellent. And I bet it looked awesome, and I bet I'd be really excited had I watched the, the whole game. But I didn't. I saw it was close, so I turned on the end. I'm not going to pretend I watched the whole game. But even when they were getting killed, I was still feeling pretty good about what I saw in the box score. So so it seems like it was a good Sixers game. Emily, what did you think about uh, the game from your perspective? Yeah, similarly to Dan, I did watch the game, but I was working. Oh, my God. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I, Kyle Lowry and Aaron Gordon got in a fight, and my phone started to play the video. Really? Apparently. <laughs> Um, this is, this is great content. Um, yeah, so I was watching the Flyers game and the Sixers game at the same time. And there were certain points where the Flyers game was more interesting because the Sixers were getting blown out and I would check and it was like halftime. They were or the, into the fourth quarter. They were down by like 13 and I was like, oh, they yeah. could do something. And then there was 10. And then I checked again, like looked down at my computer and I was like, they're only down by two. So then we switched to Sixers paying more attention than the Flyers game. Um, and it was just fun. They never win this game. This is a game that they don't lose. When you're down by 20, they put the scrubs in and they they just, you know, we get excited about, you know, Vincent Poirier minutes or something like that. Yeah. But this time we got like excited for a win. And I also think that switching to the zone was really fun. It seemed to like really trip the Pacers up. They like did not know what to do. And I don't think that that's like, an adjustment that we would have seen Brett Brown make in Latin last year's Sixers. Like, I feel like he would kind of would just stick to what was happening and not really make these adjustments. And doc was willing to make it and it paid off. So I, that was exciting for me to see Dan. Just, just read a tweet from Josh Schrager. The Sixers overcame a 16 point deficit in the fourth quarter to win tonight. Their largest fourth quarter comeback since any guesses or has have you already seen this tweet or do you want to take a guess? I've not seen this tweet. When was no when was the last time they came back from a larger deficit to win in the fourth quarter? Two thousand and one. Wow, that's my guess. I'll that's say two thousand seventeen. Yeah. Okay. So I was hoping you guess more like Steve's because it was longer ago than I thought, but not that long ago. It was two thousand eight. <laughs> it was still a long time ago. That's a long time. I was just time. picking when they went to the finals. I was hoping uh, for like yeah. some symmetry in it. <laughs> you know? mm. Oh no, no. no. <laughs> um so yeah they they sort of kept it around 10 for most of the game the deficit and then another credit to doc is that the young guys like Korkmaz and Thibel and at some point Maxi 
they got the Sixers back in the game and Doc continued to play those guys throughout the rest of the fourth quarter instead of going back to the starters with Curry and Green, who didn't seem to necessarily have it tonight. And um, so, yeah, I think that's it's probably tempting to go back to your veteran guys, but um, the young guys really brought them back into it. And they were playing this zone with Simmons and Thibel as the two and the two, three, and they were just swallowing up everything. So uh, that was impressive. Um, And it's cool to see them figure out other ways to win, which in the playoffs will become important. And Thibel had a particularly great week defensively. He he seems like he's really caught up to speed on that end. Uh, He had a sort of abridged uh, training camp because he got hurt. Going back throughout the week, Emily, do you have our picks? Let's see how we did. The Sixers played at Detroit. They played Los Angeles Lakers at home and then at Minnesota and at Indiana. How did we do? And how did Keith do? So Keith was two and two. You guys went with Keith, so you guys were also two and two. (laughs) I was three and one because I had them sweeping the week and they only lost to Detroit that first game of the week so um so dan is 14 and 7 i am 13 and 8 i'm catching up and steve you are 9 and 12 great great um that's lovely at the beginning of the week the sixers played detroit without joel and they lost and it was a poop game um do you guys it was what any... we thought tonight was going to be <laughs> exactly yeah do you guys have any thoughts oh the only thing i wanted to bring up from that detroit game is that at some point um josh jackson was talking shit to simmons and sort of walking towards the sixers bench and mike scott who has a problem with his knee and he was in a polo just jumped right up the bench <laughs> and talked shit to josh jackson and he's just here for it i love that i really enjoyed uh, Mike's got making an appearance. Dan, did you have any thoughts on the Detroit game other than gross? No, that, I mean, it's like, you know, my thought after the game was, I'm so sick of this. Mm-hmm. Did, they, did they go to shit every time Joel doesn't play? But hey, I'm not gonna do. I'm, I don't even want to think about it because I'm so. Even though I didn't watch it, I, now I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch the game tomorrow. I'm so happy that they, you know, were able to get the win tonight. Uh, without Joel is obviously that puts him at like one and four without him but whatever it doesn't matter like I'm not gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take the wins as they come and I'm not gonna try to put it into a context or anything like that I'm I'm happy they won without him morale was low after that Detroit game they they played badly and Simmons was not particularly effective um Emily did you have anything from the Detroit game other than you know whatever no it was whatever. I don't get upset about games that they lose when Joel doesn't play. Um, mm-hmm. As long as he plays most of the games, I'm generally okay. The next game was uh, Wednesday against the Lakers, and that was a great game. And uh, Embiid was really good, and Simmons had a very good game. And um, uh, Tobias Harris hit a freaking game winner. Um, you know, the Sixers were up for pretty much all of the game, and then the last four minutes sort of fumbled it away and couldn't get shots up. And uh, the Lakers took the lead with 11 seconds left. And then Tobias came down the court and hit a jumper. And it was super cool. Really exciting. Emily, what did you think? Um, yeah, that game was so fun. I, it would have been so frustrating if Tobias hadn't hit that shot though, because yeah. they really blew it in the last four minutes. And I was like, these are, this is what happens. This is why we're never going to win anything. Like we can't <laughs> like, what are you, what is happening like people were tweeting like this has just been like an end-to-end victory for the Sixers (laughs) as like they just like slowly step off the cliff and but since they won it everything's right in the world and it's okay I we should mention that LeBron James tried to kill Joel Embiid yeah um yeah that was dirty yeah he was uh, they didn't give him the flagrant he got a flagrant one I think I I thought they called it on Gasol Ooh. I don't know. I'm There's pretty no sure way they know at this point. Didn't even call it. Yeah, we're not gonna look that up. So. No, but Come on. We're it in was research department. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's have the producers look into it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. So that was bad. I did not. They kept playing it too. Him just like he like jumped and they took his legs out and pushed him. He just landed straight on his tailbone and it. 
he made a noise and it sounded bad. And they, even the announcers were like, oh, we're not going to play that with sound this time. Like, it's not played anymore at all. <laughs> so yeah, Joel couldn't break his fall at all there. So no. it, he just landed flush on his back and was sort of rolling around for a little bit. So it was very concerning. But I was happy that he then kept playing and playing at a high level. It seemed like he kind of, it, it, I mean, he's obviously in like sore and in pain, but it didn't really hinder his playing, which was very promising considering his like injury history and things. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I was wrong. Okay. <laughs> the research department got back to us. Yeah. Um, uh, Joe, yeah, Joe, that happened in the third quarter and in the, at the beginning of the third quarter and Joe played the whole third quarter. So um, I was, no, I, I heard people talking about how with backs in particular, Emily, your doctor, backs will tighten up backs will like tighten up if you sit down for too long so it's actually might be better for him to stay out there what do you think what's your diagnosis um my diagnosis is more as an old person not as any type of medical professional (laughs) but I do know that when I sit somewhere for too long it makes my back hurt more than if I'm walking around so I would say that's accurate great um Dan talk to me about the Lakers game oh that was it was great. I mean, the 22 to 5 run they gave up at the very end of the game wasn't fun. But then Tobias hit a shot. So we can pretend that didn't happen. I see no reason to even acknowledge that that run happened. And because other than like three minutes, the Sixers killed him. And that seems great. So, I mean, why? I I'm, I'm don't even like it, it didn't happen. The Sixers yeah. won. They, they, they killed him for all but like two minutes. They won the game. So I really enjoyed it. And I had a, it made for. A really nice night, like, like, just like a, a perfect, perfect middle of the week pick me up. I it, it was lovely. Very and, happy for and, Tobias too. And I made money that night. I I there was a there was a FanDuel, um, there was a FanDuel odds boost that like they gave me really good odds on Joel and LeBron combining for at least sixty points. They combined for sixty two and the Sixers won. So it was like it was perfect. Yeah. Wow. What a night. Great pictures too from that game. Like the Tobias's like face after he made that shot. He had like this like I don't know what to call it, but it was a great face. It was like, he was like it was a scowl. It was like and a then, powerful face. Like I just did that kind of face and I liked it. And then everybody started shoving him after the uh Lakers missed that final shot. It was great. I can't get enough. Um, then the Sixers played at Minnesota and it was sort of surprising that Joel was playing that game, given that he was questionable with his back tightness and he ended up missing tonight's game with, with back tightness, but, um, Embiid had a sort of like nondescript first half. And then in the third quarter, he just scored every point. He was like out of this world and he was getting, I think he shot 18 free throws and he made 16 of them he ended with 37 and just completely put the game out of the reach out of reach and uh credit to the rest of the Sixers for making it so he didn't have to play again in the fourth quarter he only played uh 26 minutes uh in that game uh Minnesota was fairly thin at that point Carl Anthony Towns is out with COVID and um D'Angelo Russell is not good uh Dan what did you think about the Minnesota game yeah it was just indeed (laughs) yeah yeah. Uh, this is the only real like possible takeaway from watching that game is like holy crap he's just killing them i mean and towns was out and i think like you know that's another reason is like maybe rest him that night especially if he was gonna end up just still just sort of missed tonight but like yeah he was he, he was really good and he had what he had 37 points in like 26 minutes or something yeah. like, and he was he started off 16 and 16 from the foul line and then he, of course, missed two. And I, I was like, this is incredible, like 16 to 16. I, I, and then he missed two. And I was like, ah, because I remember seeing like something about like, he's had like only a few games where he's like shot perfect from the line on at least 10 attempts, which is like, obviously like really impressive for, yeah, it's hard for, to do. you know, such a, for, uh, for a big guy too. Like big guys are generally not good foul shooters and he's so good and he gets the line all the time. But I mean, still 16 for like, he just gets the line constantly. And it's, it's like I would hate to have to like root against him because oh yeah he just he just draws fouls on every play. Yeah, um, Emily, what do you have from the Minnesota game? 
Yeah. Um, his foul shooting is really impressive and it's so great that he gets to the line so much. Like it would be really annoying if Dwight Howard got to the line a ton because he sucks at foul shooting. So it's so nice that Joel is just very good at it. Um, and the other thing that's like impressive about Embiid, I don't know if I said this on the podcast before, but sometimes when I watch him, I like, he, I just like know he's good at basketball and I just watch him play. And it's a similar feeling to how I feel when I watch like Kevin Durant play. I'm just like, oh, he's just like consistently good. But then you look at the box score and it's like 37, 12 rebounds. And you're just like, when did that happen? Like, he just is like, you don't, you see it happen, but it just, it seems so effortless and easy that you're not like overly like astounded and you know, it's going to be there. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but I get that feeling when I watch Kevin Durant play, I get that feeling when I watch him be play now that he's just like consistently putting up these numbers and it seems effortless for him. And I just think it's really impressive. I, um, it, Joel, to that point, like Joel had a 20 point first half and didn't shoot well. Like he could not, he just didn't have his rhythm really, but he shot so many free throws and he's so good that he ended up with 20 points in the first half anyway. Um, I wanted to talk about Joel's backup because it seems like a lot of people like to single out Embiid's backup for years. Ever since Joel has been on the Sixers, every time he doesn't play, the Sixers are terrible. Personally, I am loving the Dwight Howard experience. I know that he's not perfect. I wish he could shoot. I wish he could switch on everybody. But like he just, I've said this before, he gets in there, he shoves everyone all the time. I think it's so funny. And he never thinks he fouled anyone. It's a joy. Um, He gets them a lot of extra possessions on uh, the offensive rebounds and he gets fouled. And um, I think starting Tony Bradley, when Joel sits, I think it's smart to probably start Tony Bradley because Dwight makes more sense with like Shake and Maxi off the bench than he does in the starting unit with Simmons. Um, but yeah, I, I'm pretty content about it. I don't feel like it's a giant need and I feel like Dwight brings something that, that a lot of guys don't. Emily, what do you think about uh, the backups on the team and do you see it as a position of need? Yeah, I don't think it's a position of need. I like you, I really like the Dwight experience. And I think that Tony, another good thing about starting Tony Bradley is Dwight finds gets himself into foul trouble really quickly. So like if you put, if you start Dwight and he picks up, you know, two quick ones in the first, then you have to play Tony Bradley all these extra minutes and you don't really get to space them out as much because of his ability to pick up fouls so quickly, but he never fouls. So I don't know what the refs see. Um, (laughs) But my favorite was when, he got his pants ripped and they called the foul on him, <laughs> which was actually insane. I think that was that in the Detroit game and he had like no uh, pants on. I think on. it was, yeah. And then yeah. He was, they called it on him. He was so mad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not really worried about it. I think also like Dwight's such a great rebounder. I mean, who, who are, who are we getting instead of Dwight that we would want as a backup center? Yeah, people talk about guys like Luke Cornett or Alex Len. It's like you would have a different problem with those guys. Like those guys can shoot, but you would be annoyed that they can't defend anybody. Like it, it, like the Sixers suck without him beat on the floor for lots of reasons, and including defense. Yeah, you know. So, what do you think, Dan, about the backup center thing? No, I think it's such a cop out to be like, oh, like it's Dwight. Like it's not Dwight. We've been doing this for five years, and. It's almost at this point like a like I hate to go here, but like it, it seems like like an unnecessary like it's like a thing people point to in like defensive Simmons like oh well like when Embiid's out the guy who's in socks, which is like the response to like the you know like well the Sixers fall apart without Embiid like why aren't there other best players playing better and not just yeah. not just Simmons because there's been a few guys over the years. I mean, when Jimmy was here, we still fell apart without Embiid. That's what I was going to say. So, like, when Butler and Harris and Redick and all of those guys were here, this happened still, you know? So, like, yeah, it did. So, it, I'm not saying it, that's a single off end. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But he's, he's the guy now. And, mm-hmm. and if, like, there are people will point to, you know, that Dwight is not a good fit with Ben. And it's like, what is your ideal fit with Ben at back of center? I mean, obviously, you want someone who shoots, but Dwight's on the minimum. So, he gives you, you know, a little bit of, of rim protection. He's not like a great defender, but he can, you know, block some shots. He'll get rebounds on both ends of the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he can, you know, guard fives. So that's what you get from a minimum player. 
if you want to invest a lot in your backup center, I mean, I know I'm not saying you have to take it to the extreme, but last year we did. And we had Al Horford who had all the skills that people are saying, oh, well, we want the guy next to Ben to be able to do this and this and this. Or great. So you had Al Horford last year and Ben played really well with Horford. But how did that, how did that work for the, the team as a yeah. whole? It's not, it's not practical to be complaining that your, your, your backup center who is on the minimum is giving you plenty for a guy on the minimum. And you're, he cannot be the guy getting blamed. Like, if you want the center that's going to be perfect next to Ben to be a guy who you can bring off the bench when Joel's not in, then you're once again investing a ton in a backup. Like, yeah. a, a center who can protect the rim, who can switch, who can shoot, who can, um, you know, competently catch lobs, which Dwight has bad hands sometimes. Mm-hmm. But you're 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 now describing a player who's making seventeen or eighteen million a year yeah. just yeah. by listing off these things. Like Dwight is fine; it's not the issue. Ben needs to be able to play with Dwight or someone like that. Ben can't play center himself, as we've seen, and so Ben needs to be able to play with it. And he can. I, he hasn't played well with him yet, but they they have a much better chance of figuring it out than being like, let's just invest everything in a backup center again. Like I'm yeah. sure they'll figure it out. I it, they're new together. I. It's worse when when Thibault's on the floor because you have another non-shooter there. I think Ben and Dwight together is not like a disaster. And if they are, then you look to the max guy and say, why can't you play with the guy on the minimum? Yeah, it's it's, it's really not a Dwight is a perfect fit thing. It's a like, first of all, if Joel's out during any of the games that mean anything, they're fucked anyway. Um, But for me, it's like, if I'm improving the team, I think they're probably a creator short rather than right i would invest elsewhere yeah like like i i think in an ideal world simon or uh green and curry don't start i think that in an ideal world there's like a different guard in that lineup who handles more um but whatever we'll see we're going to talk a little bit about that later um i wanted to check in about the mvp race obviously we have already cast our votes but uh it seems like lebron and nikola Jokic would be the other main contenders right now and i wanted to know what you guys think who is like leading in terms of the eyes of the voters around the league sixers are first in the east and Embiid has been dominant those other guys have been great too could you sort of break down the cases for the other guys and who you think is leading right now dan yeah i mean uh i think Jokic is leading right now um i very badly wanted to be joel i mean like we're we're very much joel people here Mm -hmm. and um, oh, I just love him, and I and I, I want to see him win. But he's at, at, right now; he's just missing too many games. Like, it's really easy for us to be like, "Well, they're very clearly like pathetic without him on the floor." They're just had a big comeback win to get to one and four without him. Mm-hmm. Like, there's still a huge minus in the minutes he doesn't play, and we point to that. But other people are going to point to that and be like, "Well, why is he off the floor so much? Like, why is he already missed?" five games like he's it's a 72 game season and he's on pace to play 55 like that's that's probably not enough to win an mvp award and we know he's going to continue to miss games um we know he should continue to miss games if they are you know prioritizing their possible playoff run over his mvp case Mm -hmm. so and i think that'll be used against him but he's been incredible he's been you know as joel's been as good as we could have hoped Jokic tried 47 tonight or Mm -hmm. this afternoon on nba tv um, and you know, this would be a great chance for him to come right back and, and have his own 40 point game, but it, yeah, he misses a lot of games. We know he kills miles, uh, uh, miles Turner. Um, as we've talked about here before, Emily's pointed that out in the past, but like, um, he, like he just has to, you know, I feel like to, to, unless he's like, because they've had both had such good years, they're probably like a really similar, at a really similar level. And it's going to go to the guy who's, you know, playing consistent, consistent, consistently for his team. Um, and, you know, they'll say, you know, Jokic has more, Jokic just counting stats look better. He has more assists. He's not like a, a disaster defensively anymore and he's very good defensively. Um, but I think, you know, that kind of award is going to favor Jokic. Although if the Sixers can keep it up and finish first in the East um, and, you know, the Nuggets are playing better, but, not like that much you know they're not mm-hmm. they're not where where they should be by their own expectations so um although they had a huge win today so 
we'll see what happens with them. I think the, the best chance is if the Sixers are just much better than the Nuggets would be the best chance for a beach pass year just based on how many games they're going to play. And then I was talking about this with Dave Early the other day, actually, but he was basically like, the case for LeBron to me seems like, at least right now, I mean, like LeBron could, you know, is, I, I still think is the best player in the league, but I don't think he's having, you know, and he's having like a very, very good season. Um, and he's a good season by his own standards, but like, I don't think he's been as good as those guys. And like, he easily could be like the best, like better than them the rest of the year. But right now it feels like, uh, as, as, as Dave put it, like, it, it's like a lifetime achievement award. People are like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, he's like 36, 37. How old is LeBron? 36. <laughs> and they're like 36 putting up these numbers. That's unreal. He's gotta be the MVP. And it's like, uh, all right. Like, I don't think that's a good reason to give out the award. And he's won a lot of MVPs that he really deserved and he's still a deserving candidate, but I don't see him ahead of the other two right now, but it, and he, it's, he, it's a storyline award. Who knows? He plays with another top 10 or top five player. I feel like that should be part yeah. of the calculus too, is that LeBron's next player is in that realm where for uh, Jokic and Joel, their co-star is in like the 20 ish range in terms of best players in the league. Um, Emily, what do you think about who is most likely to get the award at this point? I mean, I am incapable of being unbiased, so <laughs> I am going to say Joel Embiid. Um, I like that. Though. Yeah, I partially because of what Dan said, like the Nuggets are fourth in the West. So like if you're the most valuable player, then why can't you get your team atop the standings? It's not, I mean, Joel did Joel, the Sixers are first in the East and it made me, my, made my blood boil on, I think it was on Thursday. I got an ESPN alert and it was like MVP. Someone's going to have to steal it from LeBron. And I was like, did you not just watch Embiid's beat LeBron's team on your network last night. I'm unsure what you're talking about. Like, yeah, LeBron played great, whatever. Tried to kill Joel. (laughs) Going back to what you guys said, like, and also with Anthony Davis, where Joel has been and Ben's good, but he's not Anthony Davis. And he is so clearly, I don't, I mean, the award is so arbitrary. Like what does most valuable player mean? Like, Clearly, he's the most valuable player to his team because they fall apart without him. Does anyone mm-hmm. else's team fall apart like the Sixers do when Joel doesn't play? Right. So, like, no. clearly, he's the most valuable to his team. Um, I just think he's having an incredible season. It'll be interesting to see how the awards shake out because my media consumption is so Sixers focused that it's hard to gauge what other people are thinking, like non biased sources. Um, but I think, I think it's Joel's award. And I think that he's really taken a leap this year. And as the season goes, if the Sixers keep it up, if they get more nationally televised games, especially in the second half of the season, whenever that schedule's released, I think that we can see the tides really switch like yeah. to Joe's favor. I think so too. I think that there's a great story. And if you're talking about like narratives with MVP, I think Joel has a great one. Jokic would have a great one too. So uh games played and standings will definitely matter in the end with this as it usually does but i think that joel has a real story as you know how his career started and how late he started playing basketball and the way the season ended last year all that kind of stuff i think could could because it's not always the best player it's like the best story with a great player and we'll see all right we've got an announcement to make how do we do this emily do you want to take it from here Sure. Great. So we have a guest coming on this week. Well, we're recording it on Friday. It'll be a next week's episode. We're very excited about it. We've been working on having this guest come on for a while and to celebrate it, we're going to do a giveaway. So we are having contestant who met his fiance on the most recent season of the bachelorette, Zach Clark on noted Philadelphia sports fan. Um, We'll be coming on the podcast next week to talk all things Sixers, probably some Eagles, maybe some Phillies. We recently learned he's a fan of Dollar Dog Night. So (laughs) we're going to talk all Philly sports. And to celebrate this, we are going to do a giveaway of his um, Release Recovery Foundation t-shirt. So we're going to tweet something out um, 
Monday morning, Monday around noon. And if you follow our Twitter feed and retweet the tweet, you'll be entered to win a t-shirt. And then it's going to end on, did we say Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday at the same time. Tuesday at noon. And then we'll DM the winner and get their size and their address. And we will ship them a shirt. We're going to talk about the shirts probably more with Zach, but the, all the money raised goes to his foundation, which um, is the release recovery foundation. Yeah. Yeah. It provides scholarships to individuals suffering from addiction or mental illness. And the funds raised are designated to help women and people of color that are largely underserved and underrepresented in the treatment world. And we're really excited to both raise awareness and have Zach on the podcast. So incredibly cool. Um, Zaxi, the man, um, we, you know, we've, this, all the credit goes to Emily who sort of initiated this, uh, back and forth with Zach, uh, months ago when he was just a contestant and we knew he was from Philadelphia. Claire was still on, I think. Right. And we knew he liked the Eagles and he was from Philadelphia. So we're like, this is our guy. (laughs) And, and I, I remember back then, cause you wrote him a message about coming on the podcast. And not only did he say like he'd be down, but he sent like a million takes too, like right away about like Sixers and and Embiid and Simmons and all, you know, it was very cool. And um, so for the rest of the season, we were watching and we had one of us in there, you know, one of the contestants like believed in Andrew Bynum. It's unbelievable. (laughs) And he's coming on the podcast. So uh, incredibly excited and Zach does great stuff in his in his job and uh it'll it'll be very cool to talk to him we're excited to do that and so yeah enter for the giveaway and it's for a good cause and uh it's all very exciting it was unreal to watch it was like (laughs) it was like any anyone who 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 is who said they would come on our podcast they they have to get out like you know at some point like like because Mm -hmm. like other people like i zach obviously before he's coming on with us has a ton of obligations as Tasha's fiance, like, you know, with ABC and, and everyone he has to talk to. So to outside of all of that, make time for us is, is like super nice of him. And um, yeah, I'm sure he's sick of being on television and, and hearing his voice on the internet all the time, but it's nice. He's going to do it once more for us. And we're really sorry. Yeah. yeah. So we'll shoot the shit with him about the Sixers and about Philadelphia and uh, that'll be great. So enter to win that giveaway. And then that episode will be out a week from Monday. Uh, that'll be great. And if you don't win the giveaway, buy a shirt anyways and raise money. I bought a shirt. So same. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. All right. Um, Shake and Tyrese Maxey have struggled a little bit. Maxey, I think they actually both probably shot well tonight. But overall, they had a few games back there where they went off and were looking especially good. Um, but lately it seems like they've tailed off a little bit. Do you guys attribute that to a, the league figuring, figuring them out a little bit, or just be like regular young guard struggles? Dan, what do you think about, uh, Shake and Maxi's recent play? Yeah. I mean, it's not something I'm super worried about. Shake was like, you know, Shake was playing incredible for a while and, you know, he struggled a bit, but he'll be, he'll be fine. I mean, he's, He's definitely somewhere in between, like, the guy who was, like, a top 50 player to start the year and, you know, someone who's struggling right now. But, like, he's that level of player where it's, like, when he plays well, he's going to look really good and he'll have a few games where he plays well. And then it's, like, okay, there's other nights where it's, like, I understand why this guy comes off the bench, which is fine. He's, you know, on a great contract. He's still, you know, he's still a good fit with the best players on the team he's still young and he can do you know a lot of a lot of guard-like things that we need um and you know max is really young even more young and he's (laughs) developing nba you know the nba is obviously I, i can't even imagine like how how different it is to play him in college and like once you know he had a couple huge games and teams are now going to pay more attention to him and but he's still like he's still good he's going to be a good player he's he's not like he's not like a very good player yet but he he could be you know and Mm -hmm. he'll like it's just it's this is kind of like i guess more mindset my mindset with the team has always been like 
you know, I've said this before, but like, I don't really see the Sixers as a contender this year. So I can't get, I, I won't get upset about those guys having mm-hmm. a rough stretch of games. And I won't think about like, well, what if they don't play well in the playoffs? Like I'm assuming they won't play well in the playoffs. They're young guards. It's really hard to be a young guard in the playoffs. And like, mm-hmm. it's fine. Like there's moves to be made. Um, I mean, I would love to be wrong and maybe, maybe they'll shock me in the playoffs and I would love to see it, but I'm, I'm not going to get like pessimistic about these guys because they're not super ready now when I yeah. think hopefully like when we have another off season and we can make some more moves, which I think we absolutely need to make, then maybe I'll be like, okay, this team is contending. Now these guys each have another year under their belt and they're much more ready to play. And I got, I, I, I just, I, even though they play poorly lately, like I still feel so optimistic about both of them. So I, yeah. I don't know, I'm not worried about it. The other thing that should be noted about Shake is that he did miss about a week's worth of games um, with the close contact protocols uh, when Seth Curry got COVID. So yeah, he did. I feel like he's still probably regaining some rhythm. Um, Emily, are you about at the same place with Shake and Maxi? Yeah, I'm not worried about them. They're so young. And yeah. they're, you know, I love them. Yeah, they're great. So today, um, Shams reported that, um, hang on, JJ Redick. So he said, sources, the Pelicans are focusing on Northeast teams, 76ers, Nets, Do you know and the Celtics. That's <laughs> news to me. As a trade destination for a 15-year veteran, J.J. Redick. Um, J.J. Uh, comes off the bench in New Orleans now, and he's actually been getting some DNP coaches' decisions lately. Um, he's not playing well this year so far. He was hurt for a little bit, and he's shooting, I think, below 30% from three, which I wouldn't expect to keep up. Um, where are you guys at in terms of are you interested in reacquiring J.J., and what would you do in a – to do that, like to, to get him back, who would you put on the table? Emily, what do you think? Um, I don't know. That's a really Great. good and interesting <laughs> take. Um, I'm aware. I haven't thought too much about it. I saw it to come across today, but like, he's not playing well this season. Like you said, he's old. Um, he's 36. That's old. Like, I don't, I don't know how much longer his career is going to go. Like, do you want to trade Mike Scott for JJ Redick? Sure. I'll do that. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Jo- Joel will be happy. He and JJ are friends, but I don't, <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah. I feel like his luster has gone out for me. JJ's yeah. um, mostly because he left us and I take that personally. So yeah. Dan, what do you think? Yeah. I, I saw like, immediately a lot of people were like very against it like more people were very against it than than for it like from what i saw on twitter and like weirdly i feel like i'm usually like at an extreme on these things like i'll just like run with an opinion and i'm like pretty i feel pretty moderate about this Mm -hmm. like i i don't i i I don't like need him you know like i don't I, i don't i wouldn't give a first round pick for him i wouldn't i wouldn't give danny green for him i would i would give salary for him basically right. like like ferguson and scott and like whoever else is needed like poirier or whatever to get to reddick salary and like maybe like like a second round pick or two um if, if we couldn't get him for that i would say i hope he gets bought out um, right even th- but then if they want to buy him out go ahead use part of the mle on him or the mle on him i don't know i'm not a cap guy whatever but i know we have we have some you know exception we can use to, to get jj <laughs> here if he's bought out um but i'm not like averse to bringing him back i don't mm-hmm. i don't think he's what we need you know like i i think you know we actually do have like enough good shooters and and you know he's not gonna be someone who dribbles and passes which is you know probably what we need more he's not a good defender obviously um but like i don't know he's he would be a guy who's playing a role off the bench who we know can play with joel who we know is friends with joel and um i don't i don't hate the idea of of, of bringing him back for this for this season i just wouldn't give a lot to get him um, yeah i also saw um that he can like i know like shams included that shams included this in his like write-up of it but like like he made a note that like there's like we still haven't reached like the the latest date that a player can be 
acquired and then aggregated with someone else before the deadline. So I guess like if you really wanted to make a move, you could get like Redick's salary with like Danny Green or something. Um, and that, that would make it easier than trading, you know, Danny Green with like six other players if, if there was like a big move coming out, which I, I don't I think believe that's is. February 2nd, by the way, that, I, that so deadline Tuesday. would be Tuesday. Yeah. But, but like, I don't, I don't think that would happen. Honestly, like even if they, if they acquired JJ, I, I can't see, um, I, I guess like nothing's impossible. And like, obviously with Maury, nothing's impossible, but I don't think people want JJ enough that it, that's like a, a real thing. The Sixers would be thinking if they were interested in him. I don't think that, that, the Sixers would, would do that anyway. Like, I think they're just going to bring him in, have him play. and like, oh, good, Joel likes this guy. That's great. So I think, if anything, he'd be here to stay the rest of the season if they got him, and I, I'm fine with it. Sure, why not? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much at where you are. I wouldn't trade anything of value for him at all. You know, certainly none of the young guys, none of the rotation guys except for Scott, and then, like, salary filler um, and second round, you know – but I, I also sort of think that the report today is them trying to drum up a bit of a market to get anything for him. Um, I would not be surprised at that age and being completely out of the rotation. I wouldn't be surprised if he just gets bought out. Um, like what the, does Brooklyn have left to trade for him? They don't. They Like nothing. Like, they don't and have don't any medium salaries really. I think there's like, I don't, if I'm the Celtics, <laughs> I don't think that there's like pieces that I want to move for JJ really I don't know I think it would have to be I don't know if they would have to but I think the easiest way is they give Dinwiddie and then they lose obviously whatever rights they have on him right. this summer that's a good point you know if they wanted to I I, I wouldn't do would, that though I would bet that his rights are more valuable than yeah. you know no I, I I would I don't know I guess I haven't paid enough attention to like the Nets and their cap situation to know if like bringing Dinwiddie back is even in their plans or if they think he's just going to be too expensive. But if there's any hope that they bring him back, I'd way rather have the hope of bringing Dinwiddie back after this season than, than JJ. Or even you just keep his rights and you can work out a sign and trade if a team without cap space wants him, you know, it's yeah. I just, for me that that provides you with more options. Um, the two man yeah. game with Embiid and Redick was great. And I'm sure that they would, regain that pretty quickly in whatever minutes JJ played. So I think he would be fine. He's not what they need, but um, I would be fine with him being back, but I'm certainly not like lusting after getting him back on the team. And the thing with that lady in the cage was strange. All right. <laughs> um, let's uh, throws that in at the end. Let's take also, a look. we would have players also with like competing traffic. podcasts. Cause Danny green has a podcast. JJ has mm-hmm. a podcast. We it's have like a podcast. A, we, we also have a podcast. <laughs> I don't not, like. There's not enough room for all these podcasts. There's not enough room. I think. I think everybody but us should bow out of the rest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I agree. <clears throat> all right, we have. Uh, let's look ahead to the weeks and make predictions and get out of here. It's a three-game week. They have Charlotte. They're at Charlotte, and then on a back-to-back, they play Portland. I don't know why. You know how they're doing like series. Why aren't they the back-to-backs instead of playing at Charlotte, then going back to Philly to play Portland at a back? Like, why not just do the series as back-to-backs? I don't know. So they're at Charlotte, then they play Portland at home on that back-to-back, and then they play Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets, and current sixer, James Harden, at home. Um, Emily, what do you think of these three games? I want to say they beat Charlotte. They lose to Portland because I really like Damian Lillard. Love him. And they beat Brooklyn because I hate James Harden. I can't believe you said Damian Lillard instead of Covington. I mean, I love Covington too. But, I mean, if we're going to talk the difference maker in the game, it's going to be Damian Also, Jordy would be really mad at me for not saying CJ because they both went to Lehigh. That's right. So. Well, all right. So you say two and one, right? Yeah, because I can't keep having them not lose games. Like every (laughs) week I'm like, they're going to win them all. (laughs) Which in the end will like probably give me a winning record. So it's a terrible strategy. But we'll see what happens. No, you're still up one on me. Oh, okay. That's good for me. 
Good job. So I actually do think they're going to win the ball. I think that okay. they'll beat Charlotte. I think I think Joel has like five off days in a row now, so I think he'll play both of them back to back. And the Sixers are just so good at home that, and I think they'll really yeah, get up for hard. the Brooklyn game. Um, so I mean, they could. Brooklyn's really good, so they could easily. I mean, they just that, lost to the Wizards, so. Did they really? Yeah. Yeah. I there is yeah, like so, well, one forty-seven to one forty-three or something like. That. Jesus. Well, they 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 no one played five-point lead with ten seconds left. They lost in regulation. Oh yeah, shit! Blew a lead. But that's the thing. That's the thing about them that's really interesting to me is like they're scoring one hundred forty some points every night. Like if they even like when they get to the playoffs, if they if they start trying even a little bit on defense, like who's who's gonna keep up with that? They should be but able to hard. score so well. I have to say though, it is hard. You can't just start trying to play defense in the playoffs because you're not going to be conditioned to play on both ends of the floor, and you're going to get like we. James Harden is not like the most in shape guy, so he looks well, fine. He, he you knew he was wearing the fat suit. Emily. I mean, I do know that. That's <laughs> my hottest take. But yeah, it's all. I think it's also a personnel thing. I mean, they don't have good defenders. I mean. Um, they definitely could get. They're going to be an attractive buyout destination, and um, they can get JJ Redick, noted defender. They can get JJ. Um, yeah, so I have him three and zero. Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I'll have them going one and two. I think like they've just been they've been playing so well. Like I feel like they're kind of due for just like maybe like a couple losses, like only two losses in a row. I think you know they beat Charlotte. Um, mm-hmm. I I think you know I don't think Portland's like that great, but like second half of back to back is is tough. Um, mm-hmm. Imagine they have to travel uh, on this back-to-back because uh, the NBA, for some reason, is not doing the series that way. Um, and Portland's tough. Like um, they're just—I don't know. They're just—I know that um, Nurkic is out, but they—they they seem to just like. Game is a hard point. guy for the Sixers to guard. Like yeah. a smaller guard who's quick and shoots from forever is like a tough one for, yeah. for the Sixers defense and person, personnel. And, and like second half of back to back is tough for anyone. Like, I don't, I'm not saying that the Blazers are better than the Sixers, but like we, we saw that, I mean, the Sixers have definitely looked drowsy on the second half of back to backs. Uh, I mean, obviously the Nets game, but even going back like a few years, they, it's always kind of, and I guess part of that is Joel didn't play the back to backs a lot, mm-hmm. but um, I, I think that that's probably just like more of a schedule loss than anything. And then, yeah, I mean, I think the Brooklyn game will be a good game. Hopefully, it should be pretty fun. A lot of points, yeah. I hope. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Like, I, I don't think I can look at Brooklyn and be like, oh, well, they just lost to the, the Wizards. So, like, they're just, like, not as good as we think. Like, I think, like, they're just a, a great team that knows it's kind of like this is not what they're playing for right now. They they have nothing to prove to anyone, really. And just basically that what they'll prove will come in the playoffs. So they can't really prove anything by playing well right now. They've all, mm-hmm. you know, they've two of them have won championships and one has come pretty close. So, and they're older guys. So I, I don't think that that's even, um, but the, the, I think they're, they're, they're going to have a lot of games like that where it's like closer than they should be. And, and you know, some turn into losses and, and a lot of them are wins. Um, I, I think that they just, that they beat the Sixers. I, I think they just scored more points than the Sixers can keep up with that game. So what record do you have the Sixers at this week? One and two. Woo! And Emily, what did you have? <laughs> two and one. Woo! Great. Um, oh good, good podcast. Oh, I missed that. <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. We said a bunch of them that uh, I then realized we missed. Nobody knows what we're talking about. Great. Um, well, I, great. Was, I, I, I realized halfway through that, like, all right, you have like the number, but then you also have the non-number version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't do that. That would be anarchy. We can't do that. That would be that would be terrible. All right, another perfect podcast. We did it again. Yeah, I'm gonna um, go to the bathroom. That's fun. Good seeing you both. Um, we'll talk to you with Zach Clark next week. Hell yeah! See ya. See ya. See ya.